Hello, everybody. Welcome along to today's episode of the Event Industry News Podcast. My name is James Dixon, and I hope everybody tuning in today's podcast is keeping exceptionally well. Um, on today's podcast, we welcome Neil Clapperson. Neil is the commercial manager for Universal Live, based up in Bradford in West Yorkshire and also with offices in Manchester. Um, Neil, first of all, welcome to the show today. Hi, pleasure. Thanks, James. Great. Great to have you on. Um, just to tell us, uh, before we move on to today's subject, um, exactly what Universal Live does. In business, 29 years, that's right? Yeah, we started in 1990. Um, we're a technical production company, uh, obviously in the AV high business, um, working mainly corporate live events. Excellent. Um, so I'm sure, broadly speaking, a lot of our, our, our podcast listeners and watchers will understand straight away what you're talking about there when we're talking about technical creative production, you know, AV, sound, lighting, staging, set design, all of that stuff. But on today's show, Neil's joined us today to, to talk about um, interactive content and interactivity um, in that particular sector. Uh, tell us why particularly we're looking at that today, uh, Neil, because there is a story behind it, isn't there? Um, well, yeah, I mean, it's definitely a growing trend. Um, we're seeing it more and more in live events at the moment. Um, and we, we kind of became aware of this about sort of 18 months ago, how much it was sort of being asked for, requested more and more. But previous to that, it was seen as a very expensive sort of luxury add-on. Mm. Um, <clears throat> basically, one of our, um, we kind of realized that we were slightly behind the curve with it. So we, we made a conscious decision to, uh, to start doing some research and development of our own, started looking into it and starting offering it as a service. Um, mm. And quite coincidentally, at the same time, um, one of our biggest clients uh, one of our agencies came to us asking for this similar thing because some of their big name brands had been requesting this kind of stuff on their high profile events um, and they were having to outsource to a to a specialist interactive company which we thought well there's absolutely no reason they should do that they should be coming to us because um, we can do it and you know a little bit of research and we are doing it sure uh, so, yeah um, just, just for anybody who might be listening, who, who may be a bit vague about what, what you're talking about when it comes to interactive content, so put it put it in layman's terms to us what you were being requested to, to deliver by clients. Well, it's uh, it's anything that's just a bit different from the uh, from your standard screen, really. I mean, we're talking about new ways of interacting with content, but it's 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 kind of still in its infancy in that there's broad brushes being done with it in the. Mm. Um, we're trying to move it out of the gimmicky phase and sort of get some real content and sort of because interactivity is great for attracting people in. Yes. It's really good for that because um, it's, it's, it's novel, it's new to a lot of people, even though a lot of the time behind the scenes, it's pretty straightforward, simple stuff. You're just replicating a mouse click sometimes, but you're doing it with touching a wall or you know yeah. something else or touching an object. Um, but... Yeah, so you can attract people in with it because it looks incredible or it looks different, but you have to have some decent content behind it, really. Otherwise, you just throw your money away. Uh, and this is, I suppose, where the, the creative part of, of, a, of the creative technical production comes into it, isn't it? Because having Absolutely. having the equipment is one thing. Being able to turn up with yeah. a, a great, you know, truck full of hardware is is superb. But actually, being able to deliver the the event yeah. that the client wants is something else. And that's where the creative side of the business comes in. It is, yeah. Um, it's getting all these pieces of equipment to talk to each other, um, which in previous, you know, previous 
to to this they haven't really done that and this kind of interactive element sort of brings all these things together in that you can touch an object and you know it'll turn the lights on it'll play a video it'll fire smoke at you it'll you know it can do anything really you play a sound and um it's combining all these things together in a in a in a in a clever way in a creative way that's that that enables you to sort of to to bring to, to, to show your content in a really new way that will actually engage in people, engage sure. with people, yeah. Um, any pro-end, you know, to, uh, AV company will tell you that they're constantly reinvesting in, 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 in equipment and resources, you know, they, they want to make sure that they've always got the best of the best that's out there and uh, yeah. to, to deliver what they do. When you entered this process of exploring interactive content delivery and and looking at what was out there and what you could perhaps incorporate within your own productions yeah. um was there uh, an investment in hardware that had to happen as well once you'd established what you could and, and maybe should be doing um well we're quite looking a lot of the stuff that we that we invest in as a matter of course for the company uh, we can use um mm. but we did have to do some pretty serious kind of r d into into the interactive sensors so we've actually built our own interactive sensors, which are just tiny little things and they're mm -hmm. battery operated. So um, you can put them into anything. Mm -hmm. um, the, so that, and the, sen the work over Wi-Fi. So it's so a little circuit boards with a battery in it, but they've got an accelerometer in there. Um, they've got a capacitive touch. So they can detect, they can detect presence, they can detect movement. Um, what else do they do? <laughs> I remember that. Uh, but yeah, so, so so there's the, there's the hardware and then there's getting it to talk to a computer and then getting that computer to talk to all of your AV around the room. Um, which is actually, once you do start getting into it, it's, it's actually pretty straightforward because um, the alternative is to sort of, is to use off the shelf products, um, mm. software and hardware. And yeah. that's where it does start getting very expensive, like using software like Touch Designer, for example. Um, you really need to know your stuff just to be able to use that. Um, whereas just building it yourself from scratch, um, you can keep your costs right down um, mm -hmm. and you can make sure that everything talks to each other because you've designed it all. Does it, does it increase um, the, the, the time between actually having an idea and actually being able to deliver that to a client by having to, or not having to, by, by making the decision to program and design, design your own rather than bring an off-the-shelf off solution in? Um, we, obviously, because we, we've worked in events for so long, we kind of know what the type of thing is going to be requested or the type of things that we need right. to do. So we kind of had that in mind to start with. Um, mm -hmm. So we... You know, we're we're making sure that the, the things that we build or design talk to everything else, and 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 the most common ways that it's going to be used. Yeah, yeah. We kind of we kind of build that in from the ground up, really. Has, has it um, has it changed the way logistically that um, you've started to plan? Uh, production builds um, by having to incorporate or, or now with these extra elements in there, does it, does it increase the time as an extra level of sort of complexity that has to go into the design? Um, a little bit. Yeah. I wouldn't say it's, I wouldn't say it's a massive amount. No. And it's normally um, a bit of an add on I'd mm -hmm. say. Um, so um, we tend to just sort of separate it out. So the specialists are working on that section so that the rest of the crew can get on with the rest of the rig or the rest of the event. Yeah. 
um, and, and work it that way really. But it, it's <coughs> obviously it depends on, on, on the event and what they're using and how complex it is. Um, mm -hmm. But we'd always sort of make sure there's adequate pre-production in that. But as mm -hmm. I say, we're, we're, we're quite confident with the way it's all working and everything talking to each other that most of the work is already done. Sure, absolutely. In, in much the same way that um, mobile devices and, and computers will have different operating systems depending on what, what brand of products they are and, and where they've come from, um, the, the, the types of hardware that you're utilizing to deliver sound and, and light and video um, for, for productions, um, you know, will also have now, they're all digitally controlled. They've all got their own way of talking to each other. Um, do you have to work with the actual suppliers uh, and, and those companies directly when you're designing your own software to, 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 to make those things talk to each other? Um, sometimes, yeah. Um... For example, um, we've been doing a fair bit of VR recently in this, right. in this kind of field. Um, yeah. So there's, there's there's a real um, there's a real requirement at the moment for for displaying 360 videos in right. VR headsets, and because Oculus Go's have come down right down in price, yeah, you buy one for 200 pounds now, and so people are hiring them out in um, in bulk. So we've done quite a few events lately where there'd be say 100 VR headsets. Mm -hmm. and people coming in and you stick a headset on and, and, and they watch a, a, a 360 video. Um, so we had to work out ways of playing all these videos at the same time. And, and, and it's just researching and it's just finding the software. And um, you can know, like in, in, in that example, we found people online that could do it, download their software, put it onto the devices. And it's just having that kind of knowledge to, to make things work. Mm -hmm. um, with regards to the actual our interactive sensors and things like that again that's talk well it's 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 basically having good programmers yeah. uh, who who know you know i i don't know enough about it myself but obviously it's, it's very it's, it's it's computer language where they can they can just these devices can talk to each other on a very basic level yeah which you know, is, is, is way above my head, unfortunately. I, was gonna, no, no, it, it, I, know, I know that it all comes down to ones and zeros, but in well, much exactly. the same way, um, you know, I wouldn't have a clue when it comes to stuff like this. And yet, in exactly the same way as somebody would speak fluent French or fluent Italian. This is you know, it. It's amazing now that, that, that programmers in the events industry, whether it's mm -hmm. designing event apps or, um, you know, CRM okay. systems, they speak this language of code and programming and, and they, they can just, do it they just yeah they'll deliver the solution yeah yeah because i think a lot of the common tasks of, of you know they've already done for you in that in that regard so a, 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 something that would have taken a long time a couple of years ago now it's just there's already something being designed for that and just drag and drop it in and there you go you've got it mm. so so yeah um, in terms of interactivity, you mentioned about the, the, the VR headsets and having 100, you know, uh, Oculus headsets. And when I look at things now, I've seen examples of, you know, you can turn a wall into a, you know, you can project onto a white wall now and turn the whole thing into an interactive touch screen, essentially, yeah. with some of the sensors that you've got. Um, yeah. Once you've got the basic infrastructure and the technology is built to, to deliver a certain type of interactive content, it's fair to say that a lot of it becomes very scalable very quickly, doesn't it? You can go pretty yes. big or pretty small with this stuff. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, <laughs> what people forget, tend to forget with regards to that example with a, a big wall projected onto mm. that, that you go up and touch, which, which is great and it, and it does look very impressive, but 
uh, you can project a lot higher than you can touch, unfortunately. So can, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Only touch the very bottom bit, which, um, you know, people need reminding of sometimes. But this, this is very true. Um, unless you did something crazy like turning it into a giant game of snakes and ladders well, with, yeah, yeah. with actual ladders uh, bolted to the walls. But, but the answer, of course, is to do it onto the floor, to project onto the floor and do it that way. Now, of course, and, and this, this, I suppose, just reminds me of something that I first saw. I mean, going back 10 years, maybe even a little bit more, I walked into a, an exhibition at the NEC. Um, and as I walked in, you know, where you have the sponsored mats, you can sponsor, yeah. you know, stickers that go on the floor. And a company had something projected down and it was fish swimming oh, yeah, around yeah. in water and you could, you know, jump yeah. on it and the puddle and, and it, it, at the time absolutely mind-blowing yeah know? yeah well you still see it now don't you but and, and the, the, you know yeah it's, it's all over the place that kind of thing and that was yeah, it's just an example of some some technology that was totally ahead of the curve and it's you yeah. know it's, it's only now that kind of stuff coming into corporate live events mm. uh, i suppose the subject of interaction and, and interact interactive content um could be slightly misleading because in some respects all, all content is interactive you know you yeah. want people to interact with it you, you know you go back 30 years to just somebody turning up with a pair of speakers put them on a stand a lectern mic and a projector or an yeah. overhead projector you know anybody taking notes and being actively engaged in a conference session is is interacting in a, in a way but yeah. in, in how we now define interaction in in sort of 2019 you know we see it as being able to touch or something that's technologically advanced you know so do you ever have to find yourself sort of going back to speaking to clients and deciding actually what is interaction and how, how are you defining that um i, th I think in this day and age, it's, it's defined with the, the digital bolt-on, really. It's mm. interaction with digital technology. Um, but, yeah, I go back to what I said earlier. I mean, I really feel that you need to have good content. There's no point just doing interaction for the sake of it, mm. um, which, you know, I've seen quite a lot of. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. It, it, it can be so engaging and it can be so impressive but if you can combine that with a message or something that you want to get across or a reason that will, they will remember it, then, then, you've, then you've won. Um, yeah. I think otherwise you're just, <laughs> you're just making something pretty for the sake of it or a gimmick for the sake of it. It's, um, it's, it's interesting that you say that because on a, on a recent episode of the podcast, we were talking to 2LK, who is a, 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 a big, um, you know, uh, experiential brand agency okay. who, who helped to deliver and create brand, you know, activation events and, and experiential yeah. events for, for big clients. And they were saying a very, very, very similar message, you know, that, that they are in a, you know, a parallel sector to you. Um, yeah. and, 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 and arguably do very, very similar things saying, you know, sometimes it's tech for tech's sake or design for design's sake. Um, there has to be a fundamental to it. Do, do, is it difficult sometimes juggling your, I suppose, fundamental role and, and presence as a, as a, as a technical production company and almost being like a marketing agency sometimes where you're actually trying to work on the content with, with clients to make sure that they're delivering the right thing for their visitors. Yeah, of course. Um, I mean, ultimately, it's down to our clients. Um, they what they request of us, we will advise them, of course. And if we think that if think they're making a mistake, or they think that, that it could be more cost effective to do do it another way, or yeah. find a cheaper solution, um, you know, we're 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 kind of there to help get the message across, not to sort of create that message and deliver it. But um, yeah, we we'll we certainly advise on on that kind of stuff. 
um, we we couldn't possibly just sit back and just take the money for the sake of it because then you know yeah. you're not doing anyone any favors when you do that interesting yeah absolutely um uh, as i know your job role as, as commercial manager will extend far beyond what the what the job title suggests yeah you know? very much so uh, um but when it comes to pitching new new business and looking at new ideas does having this this level of interactive uh, content and ability to deliver that uh, mm. type of technology um now help you from a commercial point of view in the sense yeah, that you've got that's another string to your bow very much so. Um, you know, people often want that that extra something or that that magic element for a, for a pitch, for example, that's really going to wow them. Mm. And and this is just a, a a great little thing to have in your arsenal, really. You mm. know, we kind of we're always trying to think of new ways of, of of using the kind of stuff that we've got and sort of you know just be it like um, we had one idea for you know if you got a thousand people at a conference and you split them into five breakouts. Well, one of those breakouts could be a, just a big escape room with a hundred people in and, and there's yeah. all these interactive sensors yeah. around the room that they've all got to find. And, you know, we're talking, we've done it. We've, we've made these sensors so you can put them in pretty much anything. We made like a, we've, we've done some blogs online and if we, um, we've got a bowl of fruit that turns into a, a drum kit when you touch it, that kind of thing. Wow. And it's, it, it's great. It's just just really good fun. It's just <laughs> so so having this to as in your arsenal when you when you're pitching for things, mm. um, and 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 all the myriad of like possibilities that you've got with these kind of things, all the different clever ways of using them. Mm. So that, that that's what it boils down to. It's being creative using them, mm. um, and and doing something a bit different that people are going to remember. Um, it's 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 great to have. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and does, I suppose it'd be just without getting too reflective and, and, and sort of, you know, look, looking back, but 29 years in business, you know, knocking on three decades, does, does having such longevity within the industry and such experience with the industry, do you think that also helps when you're bringing the sort of more tech solutions to clients as well that, you know, there are a lot of new tech companies out there. There are a lot of companies that have sprung up just in the last two, three, four years delivering solutions, but having that, longevity as a company in that history there help you uh i think so i mean obviously there's there's nothing wrong with with, with new startups and and they tend to spe specialize and which is why we realized that we were a bit ahead of the curve because like we were specializing in inter interactive av um we were specializing in everything else in delivering all the other elements of, of, of uh technical production so um so yeah absolutely we thought we needed to get on board with that um Mm. and so, so that you know our, our clients that, that do rely on us to deliver like time after time can come to us with these extra bits and pieces such as interactive mm -hmm. and rather than just saying we i mean how bad is it to say no we don't do that and when yeah, yeah. When, when think well of course we can do that it's easy we just need to just devote a bit of time to it and and suddenly you, you're in you're in that market the same as these young startups or two-year-old companies that are specialised in that one thing, yeah, you know, yeah. you're there with them. So mm. it's just it's just common sense, really, and common sense business practice as well. So mm. yeah. Do do you find uh, as things are developed as well, and and you know, I refer a lot to sort of developments in the last decade, but it does seem that certainly in the last ten years, things have just leapt forward mm -hmm. so 
so yeah. quickly um, in the live events industry, particularly in, in the, the area of work that, that Universal Live works in, you know, in AV production and technical production. Yeah, um, definitely. Do, 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 do you find that you've worked alongside suppliers more in the last 10 years than maybe you've done in the previous 19? You know, do you find you'll go into certain projects and there'll be a, a dedicated sort of Wi-Fi supplier there who you're working alongside with or... I mean, it, does it happen or do you tend to try and keep everything in-house if possible? Uh, yeah, we try to do it all ourselves, to be honest. Yeah, um, we don't. We, we have close relationships with all our suppliers that, that, that supply us all of our kit. And that mm -hmm. generally tends to, to, to do 95% of what we need. Mm -hmm. um, and then for every, everything, for the little bits and pieces, we'll get people into work alongside us, but obviously very, very closely. Sure. Um, I mentioned just just a sort of on the more uh, I, I dare I say it mundane day-to-day -day stuff uh, uh -huh. but I mentioned at the start of the episode that you guys your head office is up in Bradford in West Yorkshire and, and offices in Manchester and Manchester as, as many of our listeners will know is a huge hub and a, 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 a place to be in terms of live events and corporate events yeah. but um, I presume that your work as a, as a business having been in business that long has taken you not just all over the UK all over Europe and potentially all over the world. Very much so, all over the world, yeah. Yeah, we've just come back from China. They're in Berlin at the moment. Um, yeah, we're constantly abroad now. Excellent. And, and what, what, one thing that I often ask about UK-based suppliers who are working um, regularly abroad is, is something that I've said for years, is that I still maintain this view that the UK live events industry is, is revered in some respects. You know, suppliers are really well thought of. And yeah, yeah. what's your experience when you are working in, 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 in um, foreign countries and places as far, uh, far afield as China? You know, is there, is there this reverence towards UK suppliers that you guys really sort of lead the way? Um, I get that impression, but no one's directly saying that. But yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, um, it's, it's, a, it's a funny... It's a funny market the working abroad because obviously, as a business, we want to be hiring our kit. Obviously, yeah. that's just common sense. Of course, uh, but we need to we need to make sure that our clients understand that um, why, why we're taking our kit out there. So, anywhere in mainland Europe, we'd rather ship our our equipment there. Once you go further abroad than that, then it doesn't become cost effective anymore. Sure. Yeah. Or, and especially if you've got shipping, then there's, there's mm. massive timescales to think about. Yeah. So, uh, nobody wins in that respect. So, so you've got to use local suppliers, but we'll be there to sort of help mm. coordinate that and project manage the local suppliers and effectively choose them as well. Because that's, and, and that often means flying out there to visit the warehouse. And normally within five minutes of seeing a warehouse you can you know straight away whether they're good or bad yeah but yeah so um, so i mean i remember working in in sort of Belém in northern brazil and it was um so it was all local suppliers and uh it was just it was just a nightmare just, <laughs> just <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. i had to boot the sound guy off his desk and work out how to use his desk room because it was just they didn't know what they're doing and I've, i remember working in marrakesh and the sound guy, oh, this is the second mixing desk that they had there. And the sound guy just lifts up the fader. And all you hear is, because it's just full of sand. And wow. It's, it's, oh <laughs> and, like, and it's examples like that where you, you, you know, you've got to sort of politely explain to your client what the situation could potentially be. Sure, yeah. Why you're 
having to pay these extra trucking costs to, to take our equipment there. Mm. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, I do love working abroad. It's just, uh, it is very good fun. I think, um, it comes with its challenges by the sounds of things. Well, indeed. Yeah. Like places like China, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, you know, you haven't got a chance of understanding the language where at least in Europe, you might have one or two like, sure. sp- like fluent speakers with you or you, even yourself, you can get by yeah, uh, yeah. Or, or they might know some English, but somewhere like China, not a chance. And so you communicate with via hand signals and things. And it's, uh, it's a great experience. <laughs> well, I, I, you know, it, it's, 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 it's subtle things and, and little things that I suppose you don't, you don't realize at first, but when you start thinking about it, you know, you, you, you want to know, how a piece of kit works that you've brought in, you know, from a, a, a supplier abroad uh-huh. and, and take China as the example, you know, you, you reach for the manual and of course it's going to be written in Mandarin yeah. or Cantonese yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or whatever it may be. So, you know, it's not just the, 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 the verbal communication, but it's every aspect of what we take for granted day to day in operations yeah. that suddenly you've got to reconsider. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we'll, um, and that's why in places like China, where we have to use local suppliers. We will, t- we'll still take in our hand luggage the most essential pieces of kit with us. We'll take, yeah. we'll take MacBook Pros, we'll take um, switches, yeah. we'll take, we'll take um, you know, just slide advances, simple versus that, because they're small enough, we know the work, they're so important. Um, we could probably get by with a dodgy PA, we could probably get by with a dodgy LED wall, you know. Yeah. Um, but if your computers are in Mandarin, then you're going to struggle. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and, you know, they are, obviously, why wouldn't they be? They're in, you know, the, language, the native language. So, um, and it's just, you know, a, a, the, the value of a show laptop, a laptop that's been set up for a show. You can't just put any laptop on a show. You really can't. Because halfway through your show, you're going to get, uh, you might just re- do an update, a Windows update or request <laughs> antivirus yeah. software or whatever, you know. And I don't think it should ever be underestimated. I mean, I've been in the position before, you know, exactly. you, you, you prepare content and you think, right, that deck is programmed, ready to go. Let's drop it onto a, a USB stick or onto a hard drive, <laughs> turn up to the show where you've specced what kit that you want. Yeah. And it's, yeah, okay, on the face of it, it's the right kit. It could be the same model of laptop. You plug yeah. it in and it doesn't work. It's... Yeah. On, on the previous version of the operating system and you've done it on the latest version. Yeah, you know, anything like that. And, um, and like you said, you know, the, the value of being able to just throw things in suitcases now. And I guess that's, that goes back to the beauty about sort of modern technology is having really powerful computers that can Absolutely. fall down into hardly anything now and you can throw three, four, five of them into yeah. a suitcase is, yeah, yeah. is brilliant. You know, 30 years ago, if you'd wanted to do it, you'd have been pushing flight cases and media servers across Europe. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. We've been, uh, we've been talking today on the podcast uh, to Neil Clapperson. Neil is a commercial manager over at Universal Live. Um, if you want to check them out, universal-live.ltd is their website. And as I said at the beginning, um, head offices up in uh, Bradford in West Yorkshire, an area that I know very, very well, um, being Yorkshire-based myself um, and also over in Manchester. But as we've discussed today, working worldwide, and we've, we've been looking at the subject of interactive content and how technical AV production really is being um, not so much shaped, but certainly is evolving 
dealing with this increasing demand for interactive content at events. Um, Neil, thanks very much for joining the podcast today. It's been great to have you on board. Pleasure. No, thanks for asking. And uh, if you're watching the video of today's podcast, first of all, hello to you. And uh, head over to some of the other pages on Event Industry News and uh, check out some of the latest features, the news, all of the different supplier directories and stuff that we've got going on on the website. If you're listening to the audio version of today's podcast via Podbean or iTunes or your favorite podcast platform, head over to eventindustrynews.com. You can watch videos of all of our podcasts. And as I said, check out some of the other features and content that we've got going on on the website. But uh, for now, we bring ourselves to the end of today's episode. Our thanks once again to Neil from Universal Live, and we'll see you on the next edition. Thanks very much. Goodbye. Thank you.